Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well here this morning. Can you believe that we are at the end of Stewardship Month already? We are already at the end of this just delightful month, and um, it's always a joyful time of the year to be reminded of the principles of stewardship, and it's also a great time to even just be reminded of all the things to be thankful for in this season and in this year. And as has already been said, this evening we're going to be, have our, be having our annual stewardship celebration and where we'll be again singing to the Lord but also spending some time um, hearing testimonies and ministry updates of what the Lord has been doing through Faith Church, which means through you. And we're thankful for just this evening we're going to have ahead of us and it's truly a celebration so we hope um, you can be there to join in with us tonight. Well, before we land this Stewardship Month, it's probably appropriate that we have one last pop quiz, isn't it? So, what is stewardship? Well, stewardship is God-given responsibility with accountability, but what are the four factors of stewardship? All right, what is number one? Let's just go for it together. What's number one? God owns everything and you own nothing. That's right. And what's number two? With boldness. Here we go. God and trust you with everything you have. That's right. God entrusts you with everything you had and have. And number three is that you can either de- increase or diminish what God has given you, and He wants you to increase it. And number four is you. He, he, God can call you into account at any time, and it may be today. Well, if you're new with us, we have been taking these principles and applying them to some of the various areas of stewardship in our lives. So for the first week, Pastor Vyas spoke to us on the topic um, of the stewardship of our mission. So what does it look like for us um, to be reminded of, of the fact that God has called us to be missional people and to be working for His kingdom in this world? And the second week, Pastor Burke brought us a message on the stewardship of personal discipline. What does it look like for us in this season to value godliness and the rewards that come from pursuing godliness through discipline? And last week, Pastor Nischke delivered a message on the stewardship of the next generation. So this was an encouraging time for us to be reminded of all who have gone before us in Christ, and also a challenge of of the reminder of there are people that are going to come after us, and what does it look like to love and serve those people so that they might also be people of faith who live their lives for not their own glory, but for the glory of God. And today we're going to be diving into what God's Word says about the topic of stewardship of prayer. So this morning we find ourselves at the end of the book of Colossians, on ch- in ver- uh, chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. And you can find this passage on page 158 in the back section of the Bible under the chair in front of you. And if you're not familiar with Colossians, Colossians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul where he explains in detail how Christ is sufficient for all of our spiritual needs. So Christ was sufficient to redeem us from sin, and not only that, but he's also sufficient for our spiritual lives from now until the end of eternity. In the second half of this letter, Paul lists many different ways that believers can grow in Christ, the ways they can be acting in a way that is spiritually mature, and how they can be effective Christians in this world. And what is so interesting about this letter is that Paul writes it while he is in prison. So Paul is a steward seeking to be faithful while he doesn't even have freedom to live in the world. And and one of the main messages he wants his readers to understand is the importance of prayer. In chapter 3, he lists all the different actions believers should be doing, but he concludes this list with a call to pray. 
So you see, prayer is something we do, but prayer is the very act of admitting that there are things that we have the inability to do. There are things in life that only God can do in us and in other people, and that is exactly what prayer is, is we are expressing a cry to God, acknowledging that He is the only one that can work in our hearts. And who better to give us the instruction of this divine dependence than the Apostle Paul, who was imprisoned for being a steward of the gospel. So follow along with me as we read in Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. So Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. In our time together this morning, let's look at four keys to growing in your prayer life in this season. And Paul starts this with the imperative or the command to be devoted. And this concept of being devoted means it it carries with it the idea of being persistent. So I'm persistent in whatever I do, whatever I'm devoted to, and it means that we're doing something with intense effort and we're to be busily engaged with it. The concept of devotion is something we're all familiar with because as humans we are all naturally devoted to at least something. There are certain things in life that we see as a priority and other tasks that can regularly be placed on the back burner that we don't see as something we should be devoted to. And we will set aside time for the things that we think we should be devoted to in life because those are the things we value. So there's even a degree to which we have a specific compartment in our minds for things that we're devoted to. Meaning it's almost like in the quietness and the stillness of a moment, whatever I am devoted to, that's what I tend to run to. And in this case, Paul commands his readers to be devoted to prayer. And that's because prayer is a key part of the Christian life. The Scriptures use the idea of eating food um, as a way to explain the importance of listening to or reading God's Word. So the Bible is the sustenance and the daily nourishment for the Christian life. Now, prayer is not necessarily like eating, but many have equated prayer to breathing. So we might eat three times a day, but prayer is something that we do all day long because prayer, because just like breathing, and prayer is something that is continuous. So our prayers look different throughout the day. So sometimes it's a dedicated time to be set aside to pray, and other times we're just praying in the moment. So we might be going on throughout the day, and we're reminded of someone in the body who might be going through a trial right now. And we can just plead with the Lord, even in the quietness of a 30-second moment or even less. We just plead with God to ask Him to use that circumstance for their good and for God's glory. We also might even have just specific sin struggles we're constantly seeking to put to death in our life. And our prayer throughout the day might be that God would help us to put off our sinful thoughts and actions and replace those with righteous thoughts and actions that are pleasing to Him. So prayer is like breathing, and that it should be happening throughout the day and in a variety of ways. Another way that we can view prayer is this is an opportunity to have a conversation with God. Now, it's not like a conversation in the sense that we have with someone else. So when I'm I'm sitting at my desk and my wife calls me halfway through the day to see just how my day is going, that's a conversation that goes back and forth. I talk into the phone, and then I hear something back. I talk into the phone, I hear something back. It's two-way. Well, that's not how our conversation with God goes in the sense of prayer. 
Prayer is not two-way communication in that way. Prayer is only one-way communication from me to the Lord. So it's me opening up my heart to the Lord, crying out to my Creator, and bringing my requests before Him. But the one-way dialogue of my heart towards God is made complete, meaning it's made two-way communication through what? Through the Word of God. Because in the Word of God, He's not bringing His requests to us, obviously, But when we read God's Word, He is absolutely opening up His heart to us in the sense that it's because of God's Word that we understand what God's character is like. We understand what He values. We understand what He wants for His people. And we can even just see how much He loves us. So prayer is essential to the Christian life because with prayer we are able to open up our hearts to God who has spoken to us first. Prayer is unique, a unique way to glorify God because in prayer we can respond to what He has already spoken to us and prayer is the opportunity to express our dependence on Him and even an opportunity to align our will to the will of God. When we think about the concept of prayer, we should always be thinking about it in reference to our relationship with God. It's easy for prayer sometimes to become something that is routine or monotonous or mechanical or something that we believe is just a duty. But prayer is commanded in this passage we're studying this morning, but it it doesn't mean that prayer is sheer duty. By no means. Prayer should be considered just a true delight to a Christian because it's a time to fellowship with our Lord who has chosen us to have a relationship with Him. It's a time to draw near and a time to open up to God and to express our neediness and dependence on Him. So we need God to sustain our physical lives, whether that be our overall health or even just the basic necessities of life. It's clear that God is the one who has provided all the things in our life and there is no other explanation for all the blessing we receive and possess physically in this life than knowing that Christ and that God is the one who provides for us each day. And more than, our spirit, more than our physical lives, we know that God provides everything we need for spirit, our spiritual lives. And that is exactly how Paul begins this letter. He begins this letter saying, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may filled with, be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding." so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. So Paul expresses his dependence on the Lord to change the Colossians because it is God who alone can change the hearts of men and women. Christians can read the Bible each day. We can go to church on Sundays. We can be involved in Bible studies, fellowship groups, you name it. But we must never forget that Christ is the one who can change the desires and the posture of someone's soul. I can't grow spiritually by gritting my teeth. God has called me in faith and obedience to be someone who is devoted to prayer. Someone who is devoted to prayer because God is the one who can perform spiritual heart surgery on my soul. And it's God who's at work in us to grow us in wisdom and understanding. And an example of praying for someone's soul is actually the living nativity. Did you know that at the living nativity there's actually a dedicated prayer group or a prayer team? 
So, so their um, serving area is that they would be praying for the living nativity leading up to the event for both weekends. So they'd be praying that all the logistics would go smoothly, that this would be a time for believers to fellowship. But they're namely praying that this might be a way that someone comes to know the Lord, or that many people come to know the Lord. Because this is a corporate gospel presentation that we have the privilege of doing in Lafayette. And not only are they praying leading up to the event, they actually gather in a room during the nights of the living nativity and pray. Just that God would save people, that he would draw people to himself. And this is a great example of folks in our church coming together and understanding that God is the one who changes the hearts of men and women. Prayer is so important because it's a cry to God acknowledging that he is the only one that can change the inner man. And through prayer, God aligns us to his will and that he changes the direction and the posture of our hearts so that our desires look more like his desires and um, that we love what he loves. If you've ever used a compass to navigate outdoors, or at least you might understand the concept, if you're off a few degrees, it's one thing to be off a few degrees and walk 20 feet, but it's another to be off a few degrees and walk 20 miles. If you're off, off just a hair, a few degrees, and you walk 20 miles, you're now off, tw- off multiple miles from where you were supposed to be. And, and, and similarly, prayer is a time where God can realign us or recalibrate us so that we are going in the right direction. And this kind of prayer is something we do individually, but it's also something we do corporately because this is something that unites the body of Christ. Prayer has a way of almost holding the body of Christ together like glue. So if our mission is, is not unified, if there's ever division amongst a part of the body, prayer is a key way we can come together in fellowship. If we all naturally want to run in our own direction, corporate prayer has a way of not only aligning us up to God, but it also aligns us up to one another. Because being in aligned with God means we are all in fellowship with one another at the same time. And you can see this very thing in the book of Acts. Right after Christ ascends, the church gathers together, and it says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. You can see this throughout the rest of the book of Acts and continuing on, even through the scriptures, that corporate prayer is also a way that we can be devoted to one another. Paul writes in Romans, and he says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. It's through prayer that we have the unique way in which we can love one another But in order to love one another through prayer, in order to be devoted to prayer properly, Paul instructs us and he reminds us that our devotion must be characterized by an alertness. It must be characterized by us being aware. It's easy for our prayers to become inattentive and thoughtless. Prayer should be purposeful and intentional rather than aimless. It's going to God and bringing these specific needs before him, knowing that he is the only one that can actually provide for these specific needs and answer these in a specific way. When our, when our prayer is aimless, it is like sending your husband to the grocery store to pick up three items without giving him a list. 
And all the women in the room just laughed. And so if I ever go to Meyer by myself, and just to pick up a few items, it becomes an entire event. And that's because my, my wife always texts me, here are the things that you to, you're to pick up. Because if I walk into the grocery store without a mission, without knowing what I'm going to pick up, or even without knowing exactly where it is, I, one of two things happens. I either end up waltzing back and forth between the aisles trying to find what I'm looking for, and it takes me probably ten times to actually get where I'm trying to go. Or the other option, even more dangerous, is that you've seen this before. You've seen a man walking down the center aisle in Walmart or Meyer, and you can tell he's aimless. He doesn't know where he's going. And then he looks to the left or to the right, and he sees something on one of the ends of the aisles. And he asks one of the most dangerous questions a man can ask himself in that, in that moment. He asks, what is this? And then after you know it, he comes home with a whole bag of stuff. And not only does he come home with a whole bag of stuff, but he doesn't have what? the flour or the peanut butter or whatever he was there to get. And that's how it is in our prayer life. If we're not um, devoted but also aware and alert at the same time, we end up praying for all the things that, it's not that we shouldn't have prayed for these things, but we forget to pray for what we were even supposed to pray for. Or even at the end, we forget and we're like, I don't even know what I prayed for because I just spent all my time wandering back and forth. So when we are thinking about being alert, there are two things we should keep in mind. First, we should be alert to the needs of the moment. So in the church, there are always physical needs to be met. We can always be bringing our brothers and sisters to the Lord in prayer, asking for God to provide um, for people's physical needs. And this is something our church does so well. We've even done it this morning. That there are many people in the church that are currently going through physical trials And I just think of all the times our church body has come together on Sunday morning to plead with God, to ask that he provide healing to those who are sick, to those who are suffering from an illness or an injury. And we've asked God to provide healing in that time. We've asked him to provide comfort, wisdom for the doctors. When someone someone is going through cancer treatment or they've undergone a serious surgery, our church family has been faithful praise the Lord, to pray and ask God to help in those times of suffering. Even just think of the testimony we just heard from Steph Cassidy, that she used the opportunity of living with her parents and moving in with them as a time to pray for them, and even a time, a sweet time of praying for her grandmother. And however God answers these prayers, the church family here at Faith Church has been able to praise God and how he uses these trials in our lives Because not only are there physical needs, there are also countless spiritual needs that we pray for in these times. One of the best ways to grow in our walk with the Lord is to be alert to the current ways we need to be growing in Christ. So when we're alert, we understand how we need to be growing in humility and growing in our love for one another. And we can see how our character needs to change and we ask that God conform us more to the image of His Son. We should be praying that God would give us strength in the moment of temptation. And we all know of an example in the scripture where men failed to pray in a moment of temptation. We read in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus came to the disciples in the garden of Gethsemane and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch for me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And their failure is a reminder for us to be alert in our prayer, knowing that it is only by the power of our God that we will be able to resist the desire to sin in the moment of temptation. And if the apostles could not do this by gritting their teeth, 
neither can we. And on the one hand, we should be aware of our sinful tendencies and all the needs going on in our lives. But on the other, we should be alert to what honors God in that moment. So we need to understand how we fall short, but also understand what does righteousness look like in this time. So understanding what what is the will of God for our lives will give us direction in our prayer, and it will help us be alert. One of the best things that you can do for your personal prayer life is to have a prayer list. Now, if you've ever never made a prayer list, this might sound like a daunting task because you've probably heard stories about people that have an entire binder and that is their prayer list. Well, there are many people that do that, and that is a great and noble thing to do, but you definitely do not have, need to have an entire binder um, as your prayer list. In fact, if you've never made a prayer list before, I encourage you to just simply put it on a note card. You can put it just as concisely on a note card. And the idea of having a list is not to become mechanical or impersonal, because that could be the temptation of, of thinking about a list. But actually the opposite. It's, it's supposed to um, help us when we, our mind wanders or when we do want to be mechanical. And because what happens if we don't have a list? Oftentimes we do like what a husband does at Meyer. He wanders back and forth. And after praying for a, for a minute, 30 seconds, um, you kind of go before the Lord and you say, Lord, now I don't know what to pray for. I've prayed for the same thing eight times, and now I don't know what to pray for in this time. Well, a prayer list um, can definitely help you in that time. And if you don't have um, a regular time of personal prayer where you are alone and where no one else is in the room, I would encourage you to find five minutes a day, just five minutes a day, this week to get alone with the Lord and practice personal prayer. It's a delight to the soul, and it's a delightful time um, to commune with God. And even just write up a short prayer list that you can bring with you and spend time praying to our Lord. And when you're creating your prayer list, if you've never done this before, I definitely recommend this acronym. So this acronym is ACTS. Easy to, mem- easy to remember. The first A is adoration. So when I come before God, I'm just thinking of things that I'm going to praise Him for. The first thing right out of the gate is I'm going to think, maybe there's something I've read in the Word. Maybe there's something that I've seen in the character of God recently in my life that I can just praise Him for. That's what it means to adore in our prayer. The second is confession. So our prayer should always have some sort um, of confession um, tied in with it. And, And confession is just simply saying the same thing that God says about sin. So I recognize in my life there are multiple ways in which I fall short of the glory of God. And I'm coming to Christ and I'm asking him to forgive me, knowing that he has forgiven me in the cross. And also, we just simply can have a time of thanksgiving. And it can be a simple list of the various areas in our life where God has blessed us. And we can bring those um, items of thanksgiving before him with gratitude. And lastly, the S means supplication. Supplication is not a word we use very often, but it makes a good acronym. It means that we are to ask. We are to come with requests. So if there are certain things in my life that I'm asking for God's blessing or certain things in others' lives. So it could be, again, that I'm praying for someone who's going through a trial, praying for someone's spiritual growth. That is what we are doing. And when we think about this acronym, and again, this acronym is not law. You don't have to use this acronym, but it is helpful because think about how it's even structured. I'm praying for myself last. I'm going to spend time adoring God, adoring Christ. I'm going to spend time in confession, thanking Him for what He's done. And lastly, I'm going to spend time making requests. And if you have any questions about what does it look like to even have a prayer life, 
Any of the pastors at this church would love to meet with you. We'd love to get coffee with you and even just to walk you through what are some simple ways that you could grow in your stewardship of prayer. So all our prayers to be defined by this alertness. So when Paul instructs us that not only should our prayer be defined by this, alert, uh, this alertness, but it also should be seasoned with an attitude of thanksgiving. So all of it is to be seasoned with this attitude of thanksgiving. And that's what's interesting is Paul doesn't say, make sure you come with a list of things you're thankful for. Now, it is something we just referred to, but that's actually not what Paul's referring to. Paul is saying here that no matter what you come to God for, whether it be the adoration, the confession, the thanksgiving, or the supplication, it all should be with the attitude of thanksgiving. And that's because thankfulness should permeate our walk with the Lord. Paul actually writes this right before this passage in Colossians. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to, to, through him to God the Father. And this includes all the blessings that God has given us. And he's even given us an uncountable amount of physical and spiritual blessings in this life. Blessings are obviously an, an opportune time to thank the Lord, but we should also be thanking the Lord again in the midst of trials. James, James even says something similar to this when he writes, Consider it all joy, my brethren. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trials are an important time for the Christian to be thanking God, not because trials in and of themselves are good things, but because God is doing something through those trials. James teaches us that God is using these trials and suffering to create faith that has endurance, to make us complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. And all of our prayers should be thankful because God is always using these circumstances in his life for the good of his children, and we should be thankful most of all for the work of Christ. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners— Christ died for us. If there is one thing to be thankful for, it is the saving work that the Lord Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Because of the gospel, we have been made right with God. Our sin was once a record of debt held against us, but now it has been completely paid by the shed blood of Christ. And not only has that debt been paid, but we have received his righteousness. Our lives look completely different because of what God has done to save us. He sent His Son to die for sinners. And brothers and sisters, if there is anything that will motivate you to grow in your stewardship of prayer, anything that will deepen your time alone with God, and anything that will produce thankfulness in your prayer, it's remembering the gospel each day. Remembering that Christ died and rose again on my behalf so that I might no longer be a servant to sin, but that I might be a servant to Him and live for him. And this constant meditation of the gospel is what caused Paul clearly to continue on in this instruction of prayer and to say that we should focusly and regularly 
um, focus on gospel opportunities. So Colossians 4 continues to say, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. We need to understand in our prayer that God is the one who opens doors. We can all see through the life of the Apostle Paul that God was the one that was opening doors for him and for his ministry. When him and Barnabas returned to Jerusalem, it says, When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he opened a door to the faith of the Gentiles. And we should be asking God to open doors for us, knowing that God's plan is for us to be actively engaged in the spread of the gospel. Paul says again in the beginning of Colossians, he says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love with which you have for the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing so in you, also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. So if you're here this morning and you don't have this relationship with God we've been talking about, if maybe you're here this morning and you would say, not only do I just not have a life of prayer at all in my life, I don't see an ounce of that, but I also just don't understand how I would even pray to God because I just don't, I just don't believe that I even know him well, we would love to chat with you. And the Bible's very clear that anyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ and turns from their sin, God will redeem them in that moment. He will forgive them of their sins and he will give them a new heart so that they can be a person that can obey and they can also be someone who can spiritually even just react to God in the sense of there'll be someone that will be growing in their devotion to prayer. There'll be someone that's growing in their understanding of the Word. So if you're here this morning and you don't know that you know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we would love to talk with you. So the morning we, this morning we have seen that when we pray, we should do it with devotion. It should be characterized not only by devotion, but our devotion should be alert and it should have just thanksgiving as a seasoning all over it. And our prayer should regularly be that other people might come to know the Lord and have fellowship with Him. All these characteristics of prayer are helpful as we think about what does it look like for us to steward prayer in this season. Not only does the Word of God give us commands that are very clear like this and by the Apostle Paul in, in Colossians 4, but it also gives us the greatest examples of men who prayed. And I would like to turn to the greatest example of someone who was faithful in their stewardship of prayer just for a few moments as we conclude our stewardship month. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1 in your Bibles. That's actually on page 27 in the Bible under the chair in front of you. So this is the beginning of Christ's ministry. And at this point, it's a very busy season of ministry. There are many people coming to him to be healed, many people coming to him to have demons cast out, and in the busyness of this season, we see what Christ naturally runs to. So follow along with me as I read in Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Verse 29 says, And immediately 
After they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. When evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and all who were demon-possessed, and the whole city had gathered at the door. Imagine that. The entire city has come to the door of this house to see Jesus, demanding and pleading that he heal them. And it says, He healed many who were ill with the various diseases and cast out many demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. And in the midst of all these things, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go somewhere else, to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. Here we can see that though Jesus had countless ministry opportunities, he had an uncountable things, accountable amount of things to do in his life. His priority, and this time was prayer, to be alone with the heaven, his heavenly Father. And if the sinless Son of God approached his prayer life with this kind of devotion, it is a model for our prayer lives as well. There's a lot of hope that comes through prayer, isn't there? God answers our requests. We grow in our relationship with God. And prayer is also one of the main ways we begin to look more like our Savior. And as we close this Stewardship Month, we can remember that in all the ways we've been called to be a a steward, we serve Christ, who is the greatest master, and we have hope not only because is He the greatest master we worship, but He is also the greatest example of someone who was a faithful steward in the midst of everything. Let's pray. Father, we come before You this morning. And we just adore you because of who you are. You're a God that saves us. You've redeemed us by the shed blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, but you're a God who listens to us. Thank you for this time that we can come before you, Lord, and pray, knowing that you are a God that hears our requests, hears our pleas, our cries, and you listen. And God, we confess this morning that we are people who do not prioritize our prayer life like we should. We don't have an alert mind always as we should. We're not always thankful, and we're not always seeking to to see others one to Christ, and even in the way that we pray. So God, we ask that you'd forgive us us for this, and we're thankful that you have forgiven us in Christ Jesus. We do thank you for all these good gifts you've given us, the examples of Paul and Christ, and the privilege to pray, and all the good gifts, whether that be physical or spiritual, you've given to us today. And God, as we leave this time, we ask that you would help us to be people that are devoted to prayer. Help us to be people that are alert and aware when we pray, thankful in all things, and wanting to win others to Jesus Christ so that they might have fellowship with you in the same way way that we have shared in fellowship with our Savior. So we thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.